Welcome to the Thankful Homemaker Podcast, a podcast to be an encouragement and blessing to each other in the role God has called us to as women. I'm so thankful you stopped by, so grab yourself a coffee or tea and sit with me a bit as we talk about how God's Word impacts every area of our lives as Christian women. Hello, friends. I'm Marcy Farrell from ThankfulHomemaker.com, and I am so glad to be here with you today. We are in the final episode this week on a series we've been in on the spiritual disciplines, and today's episode is on fasting. So fasting is a discipline that I feel very weak in, and I was really thankful to spend time studying and learning more about fasting, as Donald Whitney would call it, for the purpose of godliness. Um, The reality is most of us live with full bellies. We don't go without much. For the most part, we really do have everything we need. And even as I'm saying that, and things that we want. So we don't really know in our country, um, at least I'm speaking, I'm in America, what it is to go without. I know there are many of you in different parts of the world that listen in, and you probably know what it is to go without. But in America here, we really don't. Um, So fasting is a way to remind us that everything that we truly need is found in Christ and in Him alone. Fasting is mentioned in the scriptures more than baptism and more than many other things, but it's obviously an important discipline. Jesus fasted and He expected that His followers would fast too. We don't hear a lot about fasting in our Christian circles today. Um, really talking about abstaining from anything in the world comes across as countercultural. Uh, other reasons we don't talk much about fasting is our lack of understanding or it's not convenient. But the main reason for me, and I know probably for many of you too, is we just don't fully understand the spiritual benefits of fasting and how to do it. So I'm going to start off today with talking about what is fasting and very simplistically is fasting is when we voluntarily abstain from food for a spiritual purpose. It can be also the denying ourselves the enjoyment of other things, uh, things we may find ourselves a bit too absorbed in like media or sleep or hobbies. I, you know, I think when I say media, I think social media comes to mind or television. Maybe it's talking, maybe it's hanging out with people. It could be a lot of things. This is, this is a great way to go too if you have a medical condition and you cannot fast, that you can't abstain from food, then taking something else, um, fasting from something that takes your eyes off Christ can be a very wise option for you. But normally, and what I'm going to be talking about today, normally when we think of Christian fasting, it is from food for a spiritual purpose. I mean, the Bible talks about many different kinds of fasts. In Matthew 4, 2, Jesus fasted for 40 days, and it says that he ate nothing during those days, but it doesn't say that he didn't drink, just a note there. In the book of Daniel, a partial fast was described from certain kinds of food in Daniel 1, 12. Ezra avoided all food and water. And Esther, that was in Ezra 10, 6, and Esther called for a three-day fast for the Jews in Susa, not to eat or drink in Esther 4.16. So these are just a few examples, and they were all for spiritual purposes. 
Donald Whitney gives several other examples in his book, um, The Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, and he describes congregational fasts to national fasts, and the one we're really talking about today is private fasting. And fasting, again, there's a lot of... um, I want to take a break here from my little, from my kind of little script here and just talk about it's not fasting for weight loss. That's not Christian fasting. That's, that's not even talked about in the Bible because we have all these terms nowadays like intermittent fasting and all these various ways people are using fasting for weight loss. And that's not what we're talking about. So we need to be clear there. This is, again, what was the definition? I'm going to go up. Fasting is when we voluntarily abstain from food for a spiritual purpose. All right. So we have to keep that in our mind. Um, I want to read to you Matthew chapter, um, from Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 to 18. And it's kind of the thesis the background of this particular podcast episode today. And also post, you can read this post at the blog. I have more here on the podcast because I can ad lib and talk a little bit more, but the post itself is at the blog if you do just want to read it and go through the notes. And again, I'll have all the links that I mentioned here today in those show notes. And as always, if I forget to link and you can't find it on your own Google searching, then please shoot me a note and ask me. So... Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 to 18 says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Okay, so why do we fast? So fasting is a way to show the Lord that we enjoy Him more than His gifts. It turns our focus on Jesus because we know He's the only one who can satisfy our spiritual hunger. We desire to be filled with the Lord. In the Sermon on the Mount, the word when is used many times instead of the word if, okay? So in Matthew um, chapter 6, verses 16 to 17, Jesus tells us, but when you fast. So we're given specific instructions from Jesus on what to do when we fast and also what not to do. So it is assumed that as his followers, we are going to fast. In Matthew 9, 14 to 15, we're told, then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. So the time to fast is now, as it says in verse 15 from it, because our bridegroom, Jesus, has been taken away, and we yearn for his return to make all things right and new. John Piper says from his um, book, A Hunger for God, and it's a book all about fasting. He says, Christian fasting at its root is the hunger of a homesickness for God. All right, so where do we begin? So we understand why we need to fast. Um, we know that Jesus tells us when we fast, so we're, we're, it's supposed that we're going to fast. So where do we begin? 
because it can be too easy to start a spiritual fast and have it become a way to lose weight, as I've already talked, without a biblical perfect purpose, without a biblical purpose for our fast. It's just going to turn into a self-centered experience. We need to pray about what the purpose of our fast is. Donald Whitney shared a little helpful kind of template sentence in his book, um, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, on how to keep our growling stomachs directed on why we are fasting. So he said, as your stomach growls and you think, I'm hungry, your next thought is likely to be something like, oh, right, I'm hungry because I'm fasting today. Then your next thought should be, and I'm fasting for this purpose. And I would continue. And then from there, you'd probably begin to pray about whatever it was. So since I'm already on Donald Whitney's book here, I'm going to share a helpful list he put on specific spiritual purposes why we fast. And listen, I'm just taking the the main Point. These were each whole sections in his book, and he had lengthy descriptions on each of them. So if you have his book and you want a little more depth, read it through. I'm just going to give a quick explanation and the verses that he lives. So here's some purposes why we fast. And, and actually, let me count them. I didn't number them. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So there's going to be 10 of them total I'm going to give you here. And again, they're in the post, but at the post, it's just the um, the the title of it and the verses. And I'm just going to throw a little sentence, a little more with each one here for you. So the first purpose he lists is to strengthen our prayer. And he lists Ezra 8.23 and Joel 2.13 and Acts 13.3. And really, it's because it brings an urgency to our prayer and it allows us to extend time to plead to the Lord. So if we're fasting, especially if you're fasting for more than just a meal, that you're fasting for a whole day or more than a day, that extends your prayer time to cry out to the Lord. So it strengthens our time, our prayer time. The next point, number two, is seeking God's guidance. Um, And he lists here Judges 20.26 and Acts 14.23. And it's, it's a desire as we're fasting and we're seeking the Lord, it can be a desire for us to more clearly discern God's will in a situation. The third point he gives is expressing grief. And he lists here 1 Samuel 31, 31 and 2 Samuel 1, 11 to 12. And that can be grief over a lost loved one or maybe a health, a difficult health diagnosis we got for ourselves or a family member, or it can be grief over our sin. Um, the fourth point he gives us is seeking deliverance or protection. And that's 2 Chronicles 23 through 4 and Ezra 8, 21 to 23. He says, are we being attacked? Are we being persecuted in some way? We can take it to the Lord in our fast and seek protection and deliverance from whatever the situation is. The fifth point is expressing repentance and returning to God. And he's listing here 1 Samuel 7, 6, and Jonah 3, 5 through 8. And just the reminder he gives us, repentance is more than a change of mind, but it expresses our obedience to God in a new direction. So that can be a time. It kind of goes, I think, with the, um, we talked about the grief over our sins. Those two kind of can go together even. And number six is humbling ourselves before God. 
And he lists here um, 1 Kings 21, 27 to 29 and Psalm 35, 13. And I just want to state here, fasting doesn't make us humble, okay? Think here the Pharisee in Luke 18. What did he do? He made it pretty evident to everybody that he fasted twice a week. He was not a very humble man, was he? Um, there's a book called Fasting, a Neglected Discipline, and David Smith stated specifically on humility, or um, he says, by this we must not conclude that the act of fasting has some virtuous power and that we, and that we have made ourselves more humble. There is no virtue in fallen man by which he can make himself more godly. There is, however, virtue in the divinely appointed means of grace. If we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, mortify the deeds of the body through fasting, we shall grow in grace, but the glory of such change will be God's alone. So another purpose is... um, expressing concern for the work of God and think Nehemiah here, the building of the wall, right? Nehemiah chapter one, verses three and four and Daniel nine, three is another one. So for us personally, we can pray for our missionaries uh, that are in places all over the world. We can also pray where there have been tragedies or where Christians have been killed or persecuted. We can pray for those situations. Um, the next point he gives is ministering to the needs of others. And he lives, he lists here Isaiah 58, three through seven. And Donald Whitney shared that he would minister to others during the time that he would normally be eating, that he would fast during that time and minister to others. And he had us to ask ourselves here, how could you minister to the needs of others with the extra time or money that fasting could provide? And let me see here. Number nine is overcoming temptation and dedicating yourself to God. And he's taking this from Matthew chapter four, verses one through 11, with Jesus being tempted by Satan. All right. So scripture doesn't ask us or command us in any way to fast for 40 days like Jesus did. But the example in Matthew four is a reminder is that fasting is a way to overcome temptation and dedicate ourselves to the work of the Lord. Then we have our last point that he gives here for the purposes of fasting. He has expressing love and worship to God, and that's from Luke 2.37. So fasting is just one way to let the Lord know that seeking him is more important than food, that our greatest pleasure and enjoyment in life comes from God and him alone. So those are his 10 points. And then obviously, and these would kind of mean angle, man, I don't even know, I just made up a new word. These would kind of work through those other statements and probably fit in different places because I think of reasons we find ourselves fasting, things like we want to see those that we love that are lost come to faith in Christ, whether it's spouses or children or other family members or friends. We um, want to strengthen our marriages. We want to help to build unity and um and our church relationships and in our church itself maybe there's major decisions we need to make or the health of loved ones and those are just a few things and again we don't fast to earn god's favor i always feel like i need to come back here to the gospel right because in christ this was taken care of when we came to the lord in repentance and faith we don't fast to earn god's acceptance 
but why do we fast? And I want to share, I have three quotes here to share. And the first one from Donald Whitney, it sums it up actually pretty beautifully in itself. He says, fasting can be an expression of finding your greatest pleasure and enjoyment in life from God. And Matthew Henry kind of continues on that point a little bit. He states that fasting serves to put an edge upon devout affections. And lastly, John Piper states, and again, these are all in the post over at the blog, but this is my favorite. He says, this is the essence of Christian fasting. We ache and yearn and fast to know more and more of all that God is for us in Jesus, but only because he has already laid hold of us and is drawing us ever forward and upward into all the fullness of God, end quote there. All right, guys, so we want to start. So I'm going to say that we start slow because that's me. I'm a slow starter on things. I want to, um, I'm the one that's waiting in the pool pretty slowly. So I'm a slow starter. And for me, missing a meal can really be a bit scary. I really like to eat (laughs) and I'm pretty timed there. You know, it's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So my mindset though needs to change on this one because there's so many other things that I can go without and not complain, but take food away from me and I can begin to feel cranky and people will know it and that's not good. So that's a reason to fast on its own right there. The problem of self. And actually, as I'm stating that, um, I do want to just share, you know, when I just said cranky, I mean, anger is an issue then in us. If we're getting angry or feeling irritated because we don't have food, then anger is probably an issue in other areas. So that probably is something alone to fast about and and to bring out in us and for the Lord to work in and through and continue to kill that sin in us of of unrighteous anger, which is what most of our anger usually is. So I do believe, though, that the Lord directs us to fast when there's something we need direction or guidance on or prayer for a loved one. And that is such a sweet grace the Lord gives us to be able to seek his guidance in this special way. So we've talked about the definition of fasting, and we've went through quite a few purposes. So how do we get started? Because there's really never going to be a perfect day to start fasting. I can guarantee that. You just need to start. If you've never fasted, Maybe you just begin with one meal a week. Maybe it's just your breakfast on Monday morning you skip or lunch on Tuesday afternoon, whatever that is, and build from there. Maybe you can work to a whole day. It's very recommended that you consume liquids when you're fasting, water for sure, but a lot of people use juice to help them feel better when going without food. And John Piper stated um, that he drinks apple juice during his fast or he wouldn't be able to go and function about his daily tasks without that little bit of extra help there. So you may not need more than water, but just know that that is an option. And always, always, as I say this, you need to seek medical advice before you fast. That's a wise thing to do. All right, so the Lord knew that fasting was good for his people because he commanded the Israelites to fast for one day a year on the Day of Atonement. And as a spiritual discipline, Fasting is a way that we're enabled to grow more in Christ-likeness as we seek the Lord in this way. Jesus modeled and he taught fasting, so we know that there are great blessings to it. As we miss a meal, 
with the hopes of becoming more like Jesus, the benefits of fasting will outweigh any anxiety that we may have about it. So another thing to think about is planning your time because if you're skipping a meal, what should you be doing? You're not just skipping a meal to skip a meal, right? Freeing up the time we would take to be eating that meal opens the door to spend time in prayer and meditation on God's word. So ponder and pray what your fast is about and ask yourself again, what is the spiritual purpose of your fast and design your time around that purpose. And don't forget to let close family members know you're fasting if needed. The purpose isn't to let everyone know about your fasting. Remember that Matthew 6, 18, to let your father know in secret. But your people in your home need food. And I'm thinking, Mama, that you're probably the one cooking the food. And they may wonder why you're not eating with them. So it's it's you cannot just hide that from people in your home. Or even if you have regular people that you meet with certain times for a lunch or something and you're fasting that day, they're, they're going to have to know. But here's the key, all right? This, this next little part here is on our motives. And this one needed its own little section here. It's brief, but here's the reality. This is a problem for us. This is usually the problem for us, our motives. Listen, it's okay for others to know you're fasting, but it becomes an issue of motive when you want, when you want people to know you are fasting. People are going to know that's a reality, but only God and you know your true motives. Is it enough for you that just God knows? He's our reward. Is he enough for you? And I'm asking myself these questions with you. Those motives are a difficult thing, aren't they? All right. So types of fasting. So in this episode here, I'm really primarily talking about a private individual fast, but there's many other fasts. As we um, looked at a few, we talked about at the beginning of the post, but you can fast with your spouse Um, You can fast with your family, maybe it's your small group, or as a church together. There's a lot of different ways you can fast. There may be specific issues you're seeking wisdom and guidance on as a group together. John Piper's church has a weekly fast, I think it's a fast lunch on Tuesdays that they do um, about keeping the second coming of Christ in view. So fasting together can be a really huge blessing. What about keeping a God-centered purpose? So our hunger during a fast must point us to thoughts of God. It is a reminder to pray and remember why we're fasting. Because fasting is meant to change our hearts. It changes and strengthens our prayer life. It causes us to pray in earnest. It's not a way to persuade God to do things our way. And I'm going to give you a little helpful word here from Donald Whitney. And I'm just... I'm going to read this quote. He says, There is no doubt that God has often crowned fasting with extraordinary blessings. Biblical, historical, and contemporary testimonies bear witness to God's delight in providing unusual blessings to those who fast. He says, But we should be careful not to develop what Martin Lloyd-Jones called a mechanical view of fasting, and that is believing that if we will fast, God is obligated to give us what we ask. We cannot manipulate God to do our bidding by fasting any more than we can by any other means. As with prayer, we fast in hope that by His grace, God will bless us as we desire. When our fast, if rightly motivated, we can be, when our fast, if it's rightly motivated, we can be sure that God will bless us 
but and he will do so in the way that infinite wisdom knows is best, even if it's not in the way that we wanted. So I want to share a story. It's not real long. It's a little, it's a couple paragraphs here, but it was, um, it was from John MacArthur. And I hadn't heard this story before, but I was listening to a sermon on fasting by John Piper. And he mentioned this, this incident that John MacArthur shared about fasting. And I'm going to read it from his words, really. It was taken from this particular I'm going to read the question that was asked, and then I'm skipping quite a bit, but I'm going to the part that I want to share with you on fasting. But this was from um, a member of their congregation at Grace Community Church, and it's from what they call um, the Grace to You Bible and Bible Question and Answer series that John MacArthur does. And I know most of you are probably familiar with that. But the question that the that the the congregant asked was, he said, in Matthew 6, it talks about giving alms. And further on, it talks about when you are praying. And then it says when you fast. It looks as though that fasting should be just as regular as praying and giving alms. And I, and I was wondering how we should apply fasting in today's day and age. So John MacArthur, and I'm going to link to this in the, in the post over at the blog, but he gave a little bit of a lengthy kind of intro about fasting, a lot of what we talked about today here too. But then he says, he gives a personal testimony. He says, I can give you, um, let me see if I want to start before that. I'm sorry. Let me pause here a second. All right, so I'm going to go up a paragraph here. He says, I think that is all we can really say is in the New Testament about fasting, that there are times when it wouldn't be appropriate to fast because you're enjoying the fullness of the presence of God and all of his blessings. And then there are times when it would be appropriate to fast, and that would be associated with times of importunity, which means times of relentless prayer and concern about those matters that are on our hearts. And so he shares this. He says, I can give you some personal experiences from my own life when great crisis came into my own life. Fasting is a somewhat normal response to those kinds of difficulties. The longest time of fasting that I ever experienced in my life was a nine or 10 day fast in which I ate nothing. That was at a time when I was in great concern and prayer over the fact that my son Mark had been diagnosed as having a brain tumor, which could be fatal. He was in his last year of college. I think it was his last year. And of course, it was a tremendous amount of concern over that. And there was just a sort of a very immediate response to fast and pray on behalf of that kind of serious situation and come before the Lord. And God was so tremendously gracious during that time. I remember when the doctor told me, the neurosurgeon at Cedars-Sinai Hospital, that it could be fatal. It was just immediate that I wanted to come into the presence of the Lord and beseech him. First of all, naturally, you pray for the well-being of your son. You ask the Lord, are you sure that you have the right kid? This is the good one, the one you could use down the road. I prayed and fasted. And of course, Patricia, who was John's wife, was aware Mark was not aware of the seriousness of his tumor situation, but during that time, I can honestly say that I spent nine days taking him back and forth to the clinic while they were doing non-invasive techniques to determine what this tumor was before they drilled a hole in his skull and went in and actually got inside. 
because the implications were so severe because it was near the optic nerve and the pineal gland and things like that. They didn't want to do any invasive things. And so those were times of intense prayer. You could see a flow going from Lord spare his life and so forth and so on to a sort of middle ground in a few days where you're saying, Lord, whatever your will is, whatever your will is. And by the time that I got to the end of it, I was saying, you know, this world isn't a fit place for anybody. He belongs to you. Take him out. You know, you go through the whole process. I conducted his funeral about a hundred times, just going through the process of yielding up to the Lord, this young man. I remember being in my office on a Wednesday night. It was the ninth day. The next day, the doctor was going to tell me the results of all the tests, and they were done at the Frank Norris Clinic over at the USC Medical Center by the finest cancer specialists around and pediatric tumor specialists and all of that. He says, I was waiting for the next morning, and for the first time, I was actually hungry. It was the first time that I actually felt any hunger pains, and I actually got hungry sitting up there. It was on a Wednesday night. It was between the end of the day, and the office was closed, and Wednesday night services were going to start in an hour or so. I was up there, and everything was locked up, and I was just praying and thanking the Lord for the perfect peace, that if he was going to take him to heaven, wonderful, glorious for him, and we would rejoice in that. There was a knock at my door, and I don't even know how anybody got in there because there are like four sets of double doors you have to go through, and they were all locked. And a lady was knocking on my door, and I was so surprised because everything else was closed in the office. So I went into the door and opened the so I went to the door and opened the door, and there was a lady standing there who had been in the church for many years, but who had never been in my office ever. I greeted her and said, Hi, how are you? And she said, Pastor, I saw your light on up here as I was going by, and I thought you might be hungry, and I brought you a sandwich. And I think I said something like, ah, ah, I don't think it was any more coherent than that. It might have been less coherent than that, actually. That woman had never given me a cookie. That woman had never done had never done anything. She'd never been in the office. I didn't even know that she knew where my office was. But somehow the Lord had impressed upon her heart to make me a bologna sandwich. And I took that sandwich in a little bag and I went back to my desk and I said, so Lord, you are that involved in my prayer life that when the fast is over, you deliver the sandwich. I mean, that was a pretty profound moment for somebody who was not very mystical. I just rejoiced that God had concluded the fast in a most appropriate and gracious way. I mean, I just couldn't bring myself to going down to In-N-Out or something. It seemed too carnal. It needed to be something more. And he says, to just kind of close this part, he says, I can. I only say that to give you a little recitation to say that there are great times of fasting that come along with great times of prayer. So he says, the next morning the doctor called me and he said, we are happy to tell you this is a benign epidermoid. It's a piece of misplaced skin tissue. It is not any problem at all. It's not even anything to worry about. We are just rejoicing down here. We really like your son. We are so happy for him. And we just wanted to let you know that all the news is good and we don't think it is a problem and never will be a problem. MacArthur continues. He says, I was so thrilled. I went to the college where Mark was and I told him, and then I told him the whole story and he hadn't known all the behind the scene details about the potential fatality that they had told me about. He said to me, 
Why do you think the Lord put me through that? I said, put you through that? You didn't know what I knew. (laughs) The question is, why did the Lord put me through that? And of course, the answer to that is in order that the Lord might accomplish his purposes in our hearts and draw us to himself. So God put himself on display and was gracious in that regard. And just one more kind of close here as I close. He talked about, he said three years ago, his wife Patricia had a car accident, broke her neck, and they gave her less than a 5% chance to live. And he says that was another time when prayer just kind of takes over your life. You just go into instant communion, unrelenting communion with God, and food has no place as other kind of indulgences and things that entertain us. So he says, as he closes this particular question and answer series, he says, I think fasting needs to be associated with times of prayer. I say that carefully because I think some people think that if you just arbitrarily don't eat, that there's some spiritual virtue in it. The fact of the matter, we ought to fast more because we ought to be more concerned to pray more strongly about more things. So as I kind of close here today, and thanks for hanging in me with that, I just, that was just a really encouraging article for me to read and a testimony of Dr. MacArthur and his heart for the Lord. And I know his love for the Lord, but even more so his love for his son and just how his love for his son, how that helped him to even grow in his love for God. So as we hunger for God and Piper's book, John Piper's book has a great title for that, right? It's appropriate hunger for God. That's the purpose of fasting, to long for the fullness of the presence of Jesus in our lives, to hunger for God more than the food that he made for us to live on. And in Christ, we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. So may we yearn and desire more of him as we practice the spiritual discipline of fasting. Jesus is enough always, my friends. Thank you again for your time this week. You can read the post at the blog and the links mentioned will be available there. You can find the link um, to all the series in the spiritual disciplines if you want to go back and you haven't got to go through it or you're new here with me today and you haven't listened to the other series on Bible reading and prayer and all the other things we talked about. And if you get a moment and you're loving the podcast, I would so appreciate it if you'd leave a rating and review wherever you listen in. Thank you for them. I have just been blessed and encouraged by um, getting to read them. And I pray that we have a desire to seek the Lord in fasting and prayer. If you're in the Thankful Homemaker group on Facebook, I'll put a thread in there so we can share thoughts on fasting together. And before I leave you, I want to share again my resource of the week. And this week it is the Behold Your God podcast. And the reason why is because I've been listening to their series. It's a two-part series on putting on Christ, and I'll link that in. But um, it's um, Behold Your God is sponsored by, or it's put out by Media Grate. It's a it's a nonprofit multimedia ministry, and their commitment is to help Christians use the means of grace. And I love their statement here. They say, nothing is so satisfying for the true Christian as an ever-increasing and experiential knowledge of our God. So check out the Behold Your God podcast. I know they're on iTunes. They're probably all over, but I will link to all that in the show notes too there. So have a very blessed week, my dear friends. 